0: You can hike up onto the very top and from the top, you can see, oh gosh, what all it was it that you could see? You could see Oklahoma, Colorado, New Mexico, which you're in, and Texas. And I think on a clear day, they said New Jersey, maybe. Good evening, everybody. Welcome back to the Wayward Stories podcast, the podcast where we tell your stories of adventures in self-discovery. Tonight, I have got a good one for you guys. Tonight, I'm really looking forward to the uh, looking forward to tonight's episode and tonight's story. Um, But first and foremost, how are you guys? How's your week been? Mine has been chaotic doing this grown up thing, parenting slash full time work schedule um, it's become exhausting. I just drugged myself in from yet another soccer practice after yet another long day. I, you know, I at least changed shirts for you guys who are watching on YouTube. Um, I did that for you, but let's just say that, you know, everything's so experiential now. Let's just be thankful that technology has not, um, reached the point where you can actually smell what you are listening to or watching, um, baths or like, you know, so last year. They're so 2020. Um, anyway, let's talk about what we're going to talk about tonight. Tonight, I'm excited about tonight's episode because, A, it was one of my favorite trips I've ever taken, and B, like, I'm going to get to give you guys an idea of how I go on an adventure. Like, this is a Justin-style adventure. Um, the trip we're going to talk about is my big trip from last year. I take multiple trips throughout the year on off weekends when I have the opportunity, you know, a little two day trips, two and a half day trips. But for the first time in my adult life, I got, you know, vacation time. I finally got a job where I earned vacation. Um, and so for the last three years, I've taken actual week long vacations and tried to take as long as I could afford um, during that week of vacation as many days as I could afford trip somewhere to somewhere I've always wanted to see or something to do. And I got this short list, you know, and a long list of just different ideas. Last year's trip, I went to central Colorado around Buena Vista, um, but not for like all the reasons everybody else goes. I didn't go to, you know, hit the ski slopes. I didn't go to elk hunt or, you know, mule deer hunt or any of the things that, you know, Colorado's typically... Known for, at least here in the southern United States, that's what everybody goes for, either to ski or to kill something. That's what everyone goes to Colorado for. What I wanted to go for is, like, I have this, I've mentioned, if you watch my YouTube videos, I've mentioned a billion times how big of a nerd I am when it comes to history. Um, I've mentioned it a couple of times here on the podcast I just, I love history, especially like I love all history, but I really love like industrial revolution forward because there's something about that. Like that stuff, most of it is, it's still extant somewhere. You can find a lot of the old infrastructure and the things that built the life we live today that started in the 1850s, 60s, 70s, 80s. You can find a lot of that still around today. And there's something about that tangible link to the past. And I don't know why that's, what's magical about it to me. Um, and I've always loved railroads. I've always loved like abandoned mines. Colorado has more than its fair share of abandoned mines. So that had been on my short list for a long time. I wonder if I could find a really awesome abandoned mining town in Colorado. Um, and as I started to do my research and started trying to put together my ideas for what trip I might take last year, I discovered there are a lot of abandoned mining towns and a lot of relics of the past in the central Colorado area. And as my research went on and the area refined, I figured out, okay, I'm going to have to stay somewhere around Buena Vista. The locals there, believe it or not, at least a certain portion of them call it Buena Vista. And that's actually even in documentation from the early days of the town. It was almost taken on as a pronunciation. And that is just an absolute travesty. That is an affront to the Spanish language, and I refuse to call it Buena Vista. I don't even care if it's like some kind of a ancient city ordinance that it has to be called that. I'm not going to do it because it's just, like I said, it's travesty. It's an affront to the Spanish language. Um, but Buena Vista, Colorado, very centrally located um, to a lot of abandoned mining infrastructure, um, several abandoned mining towns, and that's kind of how I planned that trip was, you know what? Let's plan a few days in Buena Vista, Colorado and see what we can get into. And that kind of gives you an idea like that's a good segue into talking about how I like to plan trips. I like my adventures to be somewhat adventurous. I, though I'm quite OCD in life, if you came in here into my studio or into my apartment and looked around like I'm kind of a neat freak. I don't do clutter. I'm a simple dude. I only keep what I need for what I need it. Like, it's just how I like to live my life. Gives me more brain space Um, and keeps what little fried and scrambled brain space I have a little bit more um, on track, kind of declutters my mind as well. But when it comes to going on adventures, I'm not planning out the whole trip. I'm not going to have an itinerary that's got point for point for point. What I'm going to have, and this trip is a perfect example of it, was, okay, I took my vacation in two halves last year. One half I spent, I feel like it was a good expenditure of two of my days for um, my technical rope certification, rope rescue responder, level one, um, to go into a long weekend. But the other half I took, and it was this Colorado trip. So I had essentially, when did I have? I would have had all of Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, And then Sunday would have been a drive day home and it would have given me, that's correct, Tuesday night. See, like you don't want to waste those hours after work, right? Mm -hmm. Tuesday night, those are good hours, especially if you're going west from where I live. You can get most of the boring drive through western Oklahoma and the panhandle of Texas out of the way after dark, after work on, you know, the day you get off and get ready to leave. It all just takes a little bit of planning and it'll get you the most maximum It'll get you the maximum amount of time, wherever it is that you're going. You got to use all those hours, guys. We don't have that many hours in our life to spend. We don't know how many it is. So as long as you're breathing, the moment is now. Make the most of every minute, especially when it's fun minutes that aren't spent at work and misery. Um. So I planned it out where, okay, I'm going to take off. I'm going to get to Buena Vista as quick as possible. And I've got four major things I want to hit. As I did my research, I came across some major names of things I wanted to check out. Number one, St. Elmo, Colorado, which is known to be the best preserved ghost town in Colorado and possibly the United States, which I think that probably belongs to Bodie. But it's a very well preserved ghost town. Awesome place. Um, It's also right on the Arkansas River near the headwaters of the Arkansas River, which here in Arkansas and Eastern Oklahoma, the Arkansas River is big, broad and ugly. Like it's it's mud soup for the soul. And in Colorado though, it's like the kind of rivers I love here in Arkansas. Mountain rivers, white water, trout fishing, smallmouth. It's a beautiful river. So that's gonna be high on my list. So that's like two things in the corner of this area of colorado Um, It's also really close to some dark sky areas dark sky park stuff which we talked about in the buffalo national river overnight episode so that you know possibility Um, there's a couple of other ghost town type areas and abandoned mining type areas out through there so i was like okay this is a great idea all right so i'm gonna have this many days there each day i'm gonna pick something you know, like here's here's two or three major things that I want to check out. I'm going to work them into this trip, but the rest of the time, whatever happens, happens. Let's go see. You never know. You can only look and find so much online, but when you get to an area, suddenly you start seeing and realizing, hearing about, seeing signs on the road for things that you didn't recognize, didn't catch were in the area. So I like to like, set out a time frame, all I have is definite start and end points and two or three things I want to check out in that allotted time frame. Mm-hmm. Everything else is up to the fates. Let's go see what happens. Um, and that's exactly how this trip played out. Once we got there, checked everything out, like I didn't even get there and I found something awesome. Like on the second day of the drive in the morning, coming through northern New Mexico, heading towards the southern Colorado border, mm-hmm. driving up on like this mountain was start not a mountain a very very large hill was starting to just stand out on the horizon and I was like huh that looks so much like a volcano like that just really looks like a volcano and then suddenly I see a sign that's like Capulin Volcano Volcano National Monument and I was like huh well I guess that is a volcano and so, yeah, National Monument pulled over. We went up, my my travel buddy, that, that trip and I, and we went and hiked up on Capulain Volcano. you I'm just saying, like, that was really cool. That was one of those things that did not plan for, was completely unexpected. And bam, here's a giant ancient volcano, which it turns out is the, at least at one time, was claimed to be the best preserved example of a dormant, cinder cone volcano in north america it i mean it is the stereotypical cinder cone volcano and yeah it's dormant it's extinct it's yeah it's not dormant it's extinct um it is an awesome little thing No, you can hike up onto the very top and from the top you can see oh gosh what all it was it that you could see you could see oklahoma colorado New Mexico, which you're in, and Texas. And I think on a clear day, they said New Jersey. Maybe. I might be wrong about Jersey. But um, <laughs> anyway, it had a great view of the surrounding landscape. You can see the lava flows down at the bottom. You know, when you're at the top of the volcano, you can hike down into the the mouth of the volcano and see all these ancient lava flows. And it's just like a great example of $20 well spent. That you didn't expect to spend. That you didn't expect to spend that time. But bam, there it is. And like, it was really, really cool. I am totally glad that I did that. Um, and it's the kind of thing you need to keep your eye open for. And why I like to schedule drive time. You know, like when I'm leaving and when I'm coming back. But anything in between, go with the flow. Because stuff like that pops up. And it's stuff that you'll probably never come across again. Something like that. So live in the moment do it while it's there to do. Capulin Volcano. Nor- northern northern New Mexico. Check it out if you're ever in the area. Um, but we go on up, get to Buena Vista. Buena Vista is, okay, there are like two major gold rushes in American history. Two like major ones. And one was the one in California in 1849, which was where the 49ers came from. Um, and then there was a second one, which was in the Colorado area. I think it's Cripple Creek is where it, originally started something to that effect I could be wrong on that don't quote me but it was around 1859 hence 59ers there's like two major groups the 49ers and the 59ers 59ers came from this area of Colorado um the Pikes Peak region I think it was Cripple Creek um Pikes Peak's not far from Buena Vista just to the west or east rather um it's nestled between a whole crap ton of 14,000 foot mountains Colorado has a plethora of what they call in Colorado 14ers. Um you know I got it pulled up right here in front of me what is it? Colorado has 58 mountain peaks exceeding 14,000 feet, the most of any state. Outdoor enthusiasts of all skill levels will find peaks ranging from easy to very difficult with hiking trails for exploring the state's scenery, wildlife and rugged beauty. Um it's nestled amongst several 14ers. They basically surround the valley that Buena Vista, Vista sets within, um, and we stayed at this um, little, kind of an Airbnb, but it was a hotel. But I think it was the I think it was the B and B Riverside Inn, which you know, shout out to them. If you ever go to Buena Vista, check them out because that was a nice, quaint little place to stay for a few days. The, the lady that was over it all was super awesome, super friendly, super helpful, super accommodating, um, for some crazy ass adventurers who were just out there kicking it and, you know, coming in late, leaving early and all that good stuff. She was awesome. It was reasonable. And let me just say like hot tub and the little back area of this thing and your own little private section, in the cold, frigid Colorado nights in late October, like, that was that was pretty killer. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You should check them out. Right by the river. You can walk down to the Arkansas River from the parking lot of the B&B Riverside Motel in Buena Vista, Colorado. Um, but as we got there, got checked in late, she came over, got us in and I'm grabbing all these brochures. Like that's one of the keys to my plans is you get all the travel brochures. They're going to be everywhere. And I grabbed all the good ones, all the ones that looked interesting. And then I sat there that night and that's how we unwound is I just went through the brochures and kind of shortlisted stuff. Threw stuff to the side. They're like, ah, that costs too much or that's too far away. That's not going to happen. But hey, look at these things. These things are kind of close. This is affordable. This is a day thing. This is a whatever. Um, and you start narrowing it down. And we came up with like basically three full days of adventures. And I still left stuff on the table and I intend to go back. That's how much there is to do in Buena Vista, Colorado. We left. We went. We went. <laughs> Chucks to the wall for three solid days and still left stuff on the table that I want to go back and do. That's how much there is to do there. If you're out there for the kinds of things I'm there for, which is experiencing nature, experiencing historical stuff, um, gosh, there's so much going on there. So I'm just going to go through. I'm not going to go through how I figured out what I was going to do, but I'm just going to go through that, what we ended up doing here. Um, I believe the very first thing that we did do was go and check out St. Elmo, which St. Elmo is, again, the best preserved ghost town in Colorado and one of the best in the entire United States. Um, There are 43 buildings left, um, and this is all from the 1880s time frame. There are 43 buildings left. It is not a true, quote, ghost town, end quote. There are A handful of residents that still live there that keep some things going like they do have during the summer months they're open during the summer a little general store um we missed the general store unfortunately because we were there in late october it was like after the major summer season stuff and before the ski season started which was kind of a great time to be there because there weren't a whole lot of tourists and we had a lot of stuff really all to ourselves but also you miss out on some things like this little general store, which I'm given to understand is a really, really cool place simply because they weren't open because it was in the off season. Um, there's also a air or a, B&B, a a bed and breakfast that is operated within St. Elmo. I didn't even know that. Figured it out while we were there. Didn't even know that I would have considered staying there, but it is, it's got some really awesome buildings left over, um, from the 1880s in really, really good shape, really well preserved. Some of them are just pristine for being as old as they are. A lot of really cool, amazing history there. If you have an OHV, if you've got an off highway vehicle, um, or if you say rent a Jeep, which is a thing you can do up there, which is something I left on the table, but intend to go back and possibly do. I mean, to be honest, my Xterra, I love my Xterra. Like I got a Pro 4X, love, love my Xterra. But from what I could understand, there were some ground clearance situations that my X probably just couldn't do. Um, So I'm thinking I may go back and rent a Jeep one of these days because things you can do from St. Elmo. Um, If you go on up the trail, the road from St. Elmo, there are many abandoned mines that you can explore if you have a capable enough four wheel drive ohv you can also go up over 10 cup pass which is a historic and a famous pass in the essence of the move westward and the gold rush and the silver rush and westward expansion and all that um that's something yeah i'm going back guys you want to go with me like holler at me hit me up like we'll, we'll work out a cool trip um i'm going back Because there's so much, like, it's like the true spirit of adventure in a way. Like, I mean, I'm not out there. We're not doing Lewis and Clark stuff, right? Like, nobody really gets to do that anymore. Like, everything's kind of been explored except for the, really, the depths of the depths of the ocean. It's the last great frontier that we have. But, like, you're struggling to find really, really inaccessible and lightly visited places anymore, anywhere. Um, which honestly is kind of an argument to the importance of protecting a lot of the places we have, like the Yosemites and the Yellowstones and other things of that nature. Um, but like in the sense of just going on an adventure somewhere, you've never been seeing things that few people venture to go and try to find that's possible here. And I want to go back For an adventure like that. I want to take a jeep up over Tin Cup Pass. I want to explore some of the mines. The abandoned infrastructure. And abandoned mines around St. Elmo. That weren't really accessible to me. And what I was driving at the time. But that's all something you can do. St. Elmo. Super cool place. You can get some absolutely killer photography. Down in that valley. You catch it just right. Catch the aspens when all the leaves are turning. We had pockets left. Third week of October was a little bit too late um but we did find pockets where it is stunning it is breathtaking and a little bit otherworldly when you drive into an area and all you see is these giant almost perfectly straight white barked trees the white bark is such a stark contrast to the rest of the uh, rest of nature around it kind of standing up in this forest like matchsticks but around like These beautiful bright yellow and orange leaves. Mostly yellow. That's mostly the color palette we're in here is bright yellow. And it is absolutely stunning and somewhat otherworldly. You feel like you're driving through a movie set or a fantasy novel that you read sometime. It is absolutely beautiful. Um, And there's a lot of that going down to St. Elmo. On the road that you take in from the main highway. Um, St. Elmo itself is a pretty interesting little adventure like St. Elmo something to be checked out. I have a video on my YouTube channel. Go check out the YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash wayward stories. And you can see an idea of what's going on in St. Elmo. Um, another adventure we got into this one's, this one's interesting. Um, one of the 14ers, one of the 14,000 plus foot mountains is Mount Sherman. It comes in at 14,035 feet. Not far from where we stayed, about an hour up the road. It's real close to Leadville. We're going to talk about Leadville next. Um, But going up Mount Sherman, there is several abandoned mines. You have like the Peerless Mine, which is somewhere down around 11,000 feet. It's right at the tree line area. Um, You go on up and there's another one, the Dauntless Mine at 12,198 feet. And then there's another mine up from that at 12,959 feet, which is the Hilltop Mine. What was on my agenda for that day was the hilltop mine. I'm going up here, and I'm going up to this hilltop mine, and if I make it to 13K, the hilltop mine, why not go on up to 14K and put a 14er under my belt? Why not say I did a 14,000-foot mountain? Why not? I'm about to tell you why not. Okay, we're going to get there. Um, First and foremost, like the drive-in is a real tooth rattler I mean it is guys it's only if I remember correctly it's only like eight or nine miles of dirt road but it's literally like a 48 minute drive that's how slow you have to go um it was brutally rough but absolutely beautiful and once you clear the tree line once you get above the tree line it gets it gets really otherworldly like it's like being on another planet. When you get up to, I would say, roughly around 12,000 feet, you have to stop. There's a gate, and it becomes a hike from there. So you can drive up to about 12,000 feet, and then you go up a couple hundred feet, and you're at the Dauntless Mine. The Dauntless Mine's really cool. There's a lot of infrastructure left to check out at the Dauntless Mine, considering that it's only a couple hundred foot of elevation gain, and I don't know, maybe a half-mile hike from the gate that you can drive straight to. I think people leave well enough alone up there because once you get there, it's brutal. Y'all, it is brutal. That day, especially we're late October. Okay. We get up there. The wind is a sustained, like, I mean, think of Jim Cantore, um, on the, on the weather channel, trying to walk across the screen in a hurricane somewhere, you know, to illustrate how strong the wind is. That's what the wind was like up on top of this mountain, once you're above the tree line, there are no breaks left. There's nothing left to break the wind and it gets a little crazy. Um, on top of that, the actual temperature was around, if I recall, 27 or 28 degrees, but add 30 or 45 mile an hour, 30 or 40 mile an hour sustained winds. It was miserable it was miserably cold and guys like I've got the gear for this kind of stuff like that's just kind of how I kick it in life my bride we're gonna go over my system one of these days that's gonna be an episode my system for getting outside more maximizing your time out there keeping it nice neat and simple I have everything I need rides in my vehicle and you know it's multi-purpose part of it's for search and rescue it's always ready to go but most of my search and rescue gear just so happens to double as my camping adventure gear. So it kind of works out, right? Um, I've got multiple layers. I've got some of the best kinds of layers you can buy, like with research, not just like really expensive ones. Like, no, getting into it and finding out what is the best, what's the best I can afford. I've got the stuff to do this. And it was still miserably cold, painfully, brutally hands went numb, couldn't hold on to like anything, tripod, camera, nothing. Couldn't even hold things anymore because my hands just didn't exist. They were still there at the end of my arm. I could see them. I could see them moving, but I had like no sensation whatsoever of actually moving my fingers. It was kind of odd. Um, but we did, we got up there, we checked it out. The Dauntless Mine's really cool. You can climb into... We ended up using the old mine shaft, one of the mine shafts going into the side of the mountain at the Dauntless Mine, as like base camp, so that I could go out for long enough to get video, and it was so loud. The wind was so loud, so brutal that I couldn't make a good YouTube video. I have a video of this too on our YouTube channel. Go check it out. What I ended up having to do is go into the alcove, into the mouth of the mine, to talk, on camera and say, this is what I'm about to show you and what I'm gonna go do and then go out there and do it. And I just had to do some magical video work and cut in some ambient tone because it blew out the speakers. You couldn't listen, it it was that bad. Um, and that cold, we would retreat into the mouth of that mine and set in the sunlight because the sun was peeking in where you could warm up enough and then go spend three or four minutes hiking around and getting video of these old abandoned tracks and some of the old shafts in the mine. There's so much cool stuff there. Go, go to YouTube, youtube youtube.com, wayward stories, check it out. It's on there. The dauntless mine. Um, and you can see, and it is, you drive right up basically to it. Okay. Here's the other thing. Oxygen is really an issue, even at 12,000 feet. Unless you live and acclimate to that pretty consistently and regularly, it is very much a real issue. Guys, I've mentioned it a million times. I work for major parcel company. I run most of my day. My legs would flip you out. If you looked at them, and that's not like a flex. Like That's like people have asked me, like... Did you like have surgery on your calves? That was a literal question I got asked once. No, that's just my job. Like, I am in pretty darn good cardio shape. I was dying. I was dying up there. I got up to the dauntless mind. I'm just at 12 too, roughly twelve two, And we're talking walk 10 feet, breathe for two minutes until you feel like you can breathe again. Walk 30, 40 feet, breathe for 10 minutes trying to catch your breath. Like I saw these cans, they literally have canned oxygen in convenience stores up there in Buena Vista and areas around there. Canned oxygen, it's literally like an aerosol can with a face cup on it and it's for huffing oxygen. So if you're up there hiking on these mountains, and I remember being in a store seeing that before I went up to the Sherman, you know, Mount Sherman into the Dauntless Mine and all that, and thinking, that's ridiculous. Are you serious? Make sure you grab the canned oxygen and not the raid. Like it looks like a can of raid, just different color. Um, I wasn't laughing about that anymore when I was up at the Dauntless Mine. Like y'all out there that are like real true mountain climbers and expeditioners who live in high altitude settings, who have an acclimation to it, Y'all probably just, y'all are probably bagging on me right now, but like, Hey, let's be real. Lots of people are going to listen to this podcast from all over in all different situations and physical, like I'm in good cardio shape. That's the nature of my life. It's how I live. I'm in good shape. And I was dying up there. I was going to make the push for the Hilltop mind. Cause I really wanted, they, there's some really, I've seen pictures. There's some awesome amazing photographic opportunities of that hilltop mine the infrastructure that is left at the hilltop mine some of it's just it's dramatic and it's at the top well hilltop it's at the top of the hill like the views and the the vistas and what's left of the infrastructure is just absolutely incredible from the pictures i've seen and i wanted that and i could see it it was in my sight further up the hill a thousand 800, let's say 800 more feet above me. It was so brutally cold. And with that wind and the lack of oxygen and how much I was struggling with it, I was like, I'm going to try for a little while. According to the altimeter and my GPS, I made it to about 12, four, 12, ish. And I was like, no, 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 no. This ain't going to happen. Um, This ain't going to happen. Not going to make my 14 or today. Cause if I can't even get to the hilltop mine at 13, there's no way I'm getting to the summit at 14, not today. This is something else I left on the table, and why I'm going to go back again is because I believe in the heat of summer, the hottest part of summer, I believe it is doable for me. Even with the oxygen issues I had, I might just buy a can of that damn oxygen, like to be honest. Um, but I'm going back, and that's one reason, because that bothered me. I was right there, could have got a, 14K, a 14er k a that day, and I couldn't do it. I mean, part of it was the weather circumstances, but part of it was I wasn't I wasn't equipped for it that day. I wasn't ready. Um, for anyone who thinks they might want to do that, like, I want to go over this real quick. I pulled this up just to go over this. It's 10 tips for climbing your first Colorado 14er. And I just want to throw these out there because, again, I've mentioned before I'm a search and rescue guy. I want everyone to be safe when they're out there because contrary to what you might think, search and rescue people anywhere, we don't want people to get injured or get lost. It's not what we want. We just like to take our our natural desire to be in the outdoors and the skills we've already acquired and put them to use for good. We love search and rescue, but we don't want you to go missing or lost, or injured, just so we get to do it, Um, so in the interest of your safety, 10 tips for getting your first 14er, one, hydrate early and often, that's simple enough, number two, fuel up, carbs, protein, healthy fats, Again, simple enough. Anyone who does marathons or anything of that nature is going to recognize that. Specific to a 14er in Colorado, start early. Hiking rule of thumb is to be off the summit by noon. In the summer, afternoon thunderstorms roll in fast and out of nowhere. Apparently, this is a thing. At 14,000 feet, you're the tallest thing around. Do not let your body become a human lightning rod. And then it goes into some tips about how to calculate your time out, your time in, all that. Wear layers, which I had, but still didn't help me on the day I was there in late October. Pack smart, headlamp, rain jacket, hydration bladder. Not going to go into that. You can Google it. If you are an outdoorsman whatsoever, this is all stuff that should be in your backpack, your day pack. Every pack you have should have this list of stuff that I see before me. Break in your boots. Again, that's for any hike. Don't go out on a major hike. In a pair of untested boots, and end up with a blister, and yeah, do your research, not all 14ers are created equal, they're created, they're in five categories as a matter of fact, so a matter, as a matter of fact, Mount Sherman is the, considered the easiest 14er in the state of Colorado, so there's that. Um, plan for a weekday because they're so crowded on the weekends and just keep going. Um, and I would say, take some canned oxygen because if you like pass the heck out up there, it's, it's going to be miserable for you. It's going to be miserable. So anyway, there's that. There's some tips and tricks for trying to get your first 14 14er, which I failed to do, but I am going back. I got my eyes on you Mount Sherman and he'll mine. I'm coming for you. I will be back. Um, but it was really cool up there. It was cool to experience. I'm glad that I went and did it, even though I fell came up short of my goal for that day, which was to make it all the way to the top of Mount Sherman to see the hilltop mine. Didn't make it that far. I did see the Dauntless mine. I did make it above the tree line and get to experience that. And it was absolutely beautiful. It's just, it's crazy beautiful up there, guys. There's no two ways around it. Like, it's its own version beautiful like so many things that we've talked about big Sur is its own version of beautiful you know yosemite is its own version of beautiful um buffalo national you know the ponka wilderness and the buffalo national river it's its own version of beautiful well so is colorado and i think anyone that's ever been skiing even in colorado knows that but yeah you get up above that tree line it's so arid It's so scraggly. Whatever is growing is such scrub. I don't know. There's a desolate beauty to it. And you are alive. You know full well you're alive. And you know how close you might be to not being alive. But you know full well you're alive because you feel it. See, to me, that's one of the things I've harped on in other episodes is you really, really experience nature and its brutality, its harshness, what it can do to you because you feel it through your whole body. The wind, the cold, the lack of oxygen, like it's not just looking at pretty pictures, man. It's, it's being a part of it for just a small little chunk of time. And that's to me, that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. So anyway, we wrapped up, we got our way back down to the old X and I'd never been so happy to see the X in my life. It was a windbreak for one thing. Had a heater for another, and you want to talk about burn calories. On that short little expedition, the th- two to three hours we spent kicking it around the Dauntless Mine, exploring, taking pictures, making a video. I got back to the ride and I was starving. I mean, it like pity your stomach starving. Like the calories you burn as your body tries to keep you warm. Yeah, make sure you have food. But there were calories in that car. There was a heater in that car, and there was a windbreak. Oh, God, it was wonderful. But we have got back down, um, and the next thing we did on that day, and this is, again, like I said, pick a thing, go do it, and then see what else you find along the way. And something we found on that day was the Clear Creek Mining District. That is, uh, it's not halfway, but it's somewhere between Buena Vista and Leadville, Colorado. Clear Creek Mining District just a little dirt road that you can just drive your way out. And it's got four abandoned towns um, and some mining refuse left over out there. There are people that still live in the area. Um, There are a lot of old buildings. There are a lot of uh, historical markers and things of that nature. Um, And that's a cool little, not even a day trip. It's not even really a half day trip. That might be a nice afternoon go down through the Clear Creek Mining District. That's something else that's an area. And that's what we did that day. Um, and what else did we do that day? Oh, yeah. Went on down to the Arkansas River. Um, got back to Buena Vista. Went down to the Arkansas River. We, we did some adventuring. There's the Colorado Midland Railroad grade on the other side from Buena Vista of the Colorado River that is now a road and hike slash bike trail that a lot of people were on. You drive through four short tunnels that had to be cut out in order for that railroad to be built on that grade back in the 1800s. And that is a cool, beautiful little drive along the rim of the Arkansas River at that point. Got to check that out. Um, But we got out, you know, I took my fishing rod, I bought my day fishing license, and I trout fished for a while. Just to say I did, because I wanted to fish in the arkansas river at its headwaters knee deep in the coldest water that is unfrozen you've ever stepped into and i didn't catch a single fish that day but you know what that's all right because i was there living it and experiencing it feeling it on my legs like it's just so beautiful guys like there's there for me personally it's a spiritual thing there's a spirituality to Standing there, physically experiencing the environment and taking it all in with my eyeballs, like seeing such impressive natural beauty all around you. It's a really amazing thing. It's a really amazing thing. For me, it's a spiritual thing. And it is for a lot of people I've come to understand in life. But, you know, even for the people that it's not spiritual, it's still special. Um, And that was how that day got wrapped up. Went back around dark, actually found a place to eat some pretty darn good Mexican food um, there in Buena Vista, and went back to the B&B, Riverside Hotel, and kicked it in the hot tub for a couple hours, staring up at the vast cosmos, because it is... Uh, you know, in Buena Vista is not dark sky area, but still there's very little light pollution. Especially out on that end of town where we were. And just staring up at the stars. As far as you can see, in a hot tub. Your head laid back on the edge of the hot tub. Your face frigid in the late October Colorado air. Um, that was a really nice way to wrap that day up. That was a nice day. Um, the next day... We got into Leadville in a really, really, really cool place. Um, Leadville, Colorado, is like maybe forty-five minutes to an hour up the road from Buena Vista. Leadville came into existence same time as Buena Vista with the gold rush of 1859. Um, it boomed big time. They found a lot of gold in California Gulch, and then like the gold started to pan out, and somebody figured out like this is like the process of technology coming along. There was this like black sand sludge stuff that they had been throwing away through all this gold mining process, like just setting it aside in tailings piles. And somebody figured out it had a bunch of effing silver in it and it was on. And then it was the silver boom and it was big time, like so much money. And Leadville became a huge, huge place in its heyday, like it had all these mines going on, they've got the, basically it's the Leadville Mining District. It's this huge area that encompasses like California Gulch and several things up in that area. Leadville is literally at the headwaters of the Arkansas River. I tried to go to the actual origin point of the Arkansas River. I mean, growing up in eastern Oklahoma and western Arkansas, the Arkansas River is a major thing in your life to some degree at some point. It's kind of like the Mississippi River to Samuel Clements and Mark Twain and Huck Finn and Tom Sawyer and all that. Like not quite as much, but it's still like a central figure to your world. It's a big arse river in this area. Um, And here I am at its literal origin point, its headwaters. And the best I could discern was it's at the confluence of two different creeks. Those two different creeks, which I'm at a loss right now for the name of those two creeks. But at that confluence right there at the edge of Leadville, when they become one creek, that becomes the Arkansas River. And that was kind of cool. Didn't really get to see it. It looked like it was on private property, the actual origin point. But we could see where it was. Um, And by map, I believe that was the actual origin point. I probably could have followed one of those creeks all the way up into the mountains. And we considered that, actually. But that would have taken, I believe... Renting one of those jeeps, <laughs> OHVs oh, that that got a little crazy up in there, um. But Leadville itself, super cool place. It was a gold boom that turned into a silver boom. Um, gosh, what was I reading last night? I believe Ulysses Ulysses S. Grant rode the first train that arrived in Leadville. Um, Doc Holliday kicked it in Leadville, actually the last, you know, Doc Holiday. you guys, anyone's ever watched Tombstone, Val Kilmer, you know, you're Huckleberry, Doc himself, the last man he was known to have shot, at least on historical record, was in Leadville, Colorado, so, you know, lots of cool little things, Leadville is a neat, really cool, quaint, keech little town, like, we talked at length to the lady at the um, visitor center, and it was kind of interesting. It's, she had a similar take on it, to like we talked about in the Big Sur episode. It's like, oh, yeah, I mean, this is our livelihood. We're happy about all these people, but, like, it gets old. So, again, reinforcing the be-good-denizens of the community when you're out there traveling. Be good people. Um, but it's really neat. Got a lot of history. Um, The Mining Museum is there. There's so many things going on there. But what I want to talk about specifically about Leadville is the Route of the Silver Kings. The Route of the Silver Kings is a driving tour they have put together. A self-guided driving tour that they've kind of put together. you got to go get a map down at the Visitor Center for this. And it goes through 20 square miles and 14 specific named stops in the Leadville Mining District and guys like here's the thing like this is why it's so fun because it's not like a paved road all the way through it's not like this you know little cute little driving tour like you should have a four-wheel drive to do this they don't really tell you that it's not really like clearly warned but you should we okay I'm just gonna tell you about the trip like when you go up into this area you get this map and it's not like it's not like usgs map this is like a drawn out cartoon animated type of map it's awesome it is really cool like it's worth framing and putting on your wall and like places you've been like it is a really neat little map but it's not to scale it doesn't have like mileages it's like there's nothing really there so that you can tell I've gone this far and this is probably the actual location that I'm at like it's not real well signed and marked and of course people go up in there in their OHVs and do stuff they're not supposed to and go off trail and those trails start to look like just as good as the road you're driving on and suddenly you're like where the hell am I and can I get out of this unscathed right um that happened a couple of times but oh my god it was so cool guys like there's so much, it's like, it would be, it's so inaccessible in its own way, and it would be so hard, and to what what end, like, what's the value of the things that are left there? And they're in that capacity really well preserved. You go in, and you drive up, and there's like entire tipples, there's entire, like, I'm, I'm gonna, I will butcher every proper terminology and get roasted, which has already happened on YouTube this the route of the silver kings also a video i have on youtube go check it out people come into the comments like that is not the eliza mine that is the blah 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 like guys i was working with a crudely drawn map there was no specifics no signs no anything cut us outsiders just a little bit of slack like anyway around it four-wheel drive territory for a lot of this we got in drove up to a couple places and saw it just there's one little valley i w- I couldn't find my map or I would be setting I would have it out in front of me right now to talk to you guys about it, but this map we're in this one area, and I do believe yeah okay, the baby doe mine that was one of the ones that we were at in that whole little valley it's just it's everywhere there are so many buildings, abandoned buildings cabins shacks um and again, mines themselves, shafts, um, processing centers, ore processing centers, railroad tracks, so much cool stuff up in there. You guys, you have to go do this. Take your four-wheel drive. My ex did just fine for most of it. We did try to follow one trail up to what I believe was Mosquito Pass. And by all accounts, from what I could see, I was where I should be. And it was what it said it was. And there was no way. There was no way. I was taking my ex down there, even with brand new off-road tires, even with brand new suspension. I literally did all this work before I went to Colorado just because it needed it. And it just worked out good. I don't have that kind of money to throw around all the time just for giggles, but it was work that had to be done. It got done. And then I went to Colorado and it kind of worked out great. And I was like freaking terrified up there in some places like this ain't going to happen. I'm about to tear my ride to pieces. Um, so you need to be aware of that if you go. There was one place where we hit like, there should have just been like two roads. You either go this way and it's back to where you came from or you go this way and you're heading back out to another section that you need to go check out, that we're trying to go check out. And this car comes up behind us and it's like a little two-wheel drive Buick like crossover SUV. Like, it doesn't have ground clearance to save its life. It's definitely not four-wheel or all-wheel drive. I mean, I'm scoping this thing out, and it's these two really... One of them is a more refined, aged woman. And one of them is just, like, honestly elderly. She was just old. Um, and it was such a cool story, because I stopped and asked him, I said, hey, like, do you guys know what's going on here? And B, can I help you? Because like I'm looking at her vehicle going, you have no business here and you definitely don't need to go the way that I just turned around because I'm not taking this there. You're definitely not taking that there. You know, kind of let me flag them down and try to be a good neighbor and help them out and be, see, can I help you? So are you all good? Um, And it was kind of a cool story. The younger of the two was taking the older of the two. She had grown up in that mining district in one of those cabins and she was like literally taking her kind of her farewell to her her swan song she wanted to come back and see it before she got too old and passed away um so it was that was actually really kind of cool um but then we turn around and they turn around too and we go back and there's like this intersection where it's really only supposed to go two ways but it goes like five ways Um, again, probably because of OHVers making their own trails and those trails over time becoming very much, they look just as good as the road that you're supposed to be on, just being honest. And they came up behind us and I saw them behind us. And I looked down at the map in my lap for, I swear to you, it could not have been more than a few seconds. Like I'm, you know, going to misremember stuff. It's been eight, nine months ago. I took this trip, right? But I knew at the time, like, my part, my, my travel buddy and I, she and I were talking like we, we had, we had like mental issues over this. It's like, she saw them come up behind us. I saw them come up behind us, but they had room to go in any of the directions we had before us. And I'm looking down at the map and I look back up and they're just gone. I mean, like gone, gone. Our windows were down. I heard no gravel crackling. I heard them pull up behind us. Didn't hear them leave. Okay. And I was like, where did, where did they go? And she looked back and she's like, what do you mean? They were right there. And I was like, they're not now. Do you see them? No, they're not. And we're like, where the heck did they go? They didn't go past us on our left or right. So that ruled out those two roads. I don't believe they backed up because I heard them pull up behind us. Didn't hear them back away from us. There was only one road they could have taken, which is what we ultimately ended up taking within 20 or 30 seconds of what, where the hell did they go? And we start down that road and it's like a mile long straight. Like, downhill, there's nowhere they could have gone, but they were gone. And I'm like, y'all, I know, I know, I know there's a rational explanation for where they went, but for the life of me, I cannot come up with it, and it's more fun for me to think that they were abducted by aliens, or they were from the ethers, or this was like something replaying itself that had happened 10 years before, I don't know, like, just you know, Pick your poison. What do you want it to be? It's fun to speculate. Unless. Unless they like. Rolled off the side of the hill or something. Which God. I didn't even think about that. That's possible. Like that's for real possible. (laughs) Oh shit. Yeah. Because. The next part of our leg of our trip. We went down that road. That we didn't see them down anymore. And that was really the only place. They really possibly could have went. And the next ride up, when you turn and you start back up, it's like way down to your right. Like to the point that my travel buddy, she she was having a tough time with it because she was having to look out her window straight down a long damn ways, a long ways down. The only way I dealt with it was like you get older, right? I'm old now, right? I'm like 40 or something. And I think, yeah, I'm 40 and you get older and you live life. And like, again, search and rescue, you do different things in life and you find yourself in situations and you learn how to cope with stuff. You know, like, you know how to make good decisions. Like you just get better under pressure. And for me, it was, we're already here now. There is no backing down this road that we just came up because we will go off the side of this mountain. If I have to back, and y'all, I'm a professional backer-upper. I tell people that all the time. I do two things with my job. One, I professionally disappoint people on a daily basis. And number two, I am a professional backer-upper. It's what I do all day long. Um, But no, no, no. No, 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 no. No, it was too tight. There was no tolerance for error here. There was zero tolerance for error. I mean, we're talking like six inches Too far, to your right, to the passenger side, and the wheel's off and you're gone. It's over with, period. To the right, I mean, it's just like Big Bluff kind of was. Rock wall, or more dirt, really, but you have like a sheer wall to your left. Can't go that way. To your right, eh, it's your doom. Existential crisis. So in the moment, in the situation, you're like, well, there is no backing up. There is no leaving this vehicle here. I have to have it. The only way out is to go. So what do you do? You focus on the left side of the road. Where it's not a sheer drop to death. And you keep your tires as far as you can to that side. And leave it in the hands of the gods. Or the fates. Or the nothings. Whatever you believe. Choose your illusion. Like... That's how, that's how you got out of there. And that trip, that tripped me out, man. Like it was close. It was a tight squeeze. There are things like that on this route of the Silver Kings that you need to keep in account. And you're going to find yourself there without knowing that you found yourself there. Because again, the map and the roads are not marked that well. They're like more for like generally getting you where you're going in the proper direction, right? Like it's more of a general idea. It's just more of a suggestion, of what you can do on the Route of the Silver Kings, um, and you can find yourself in some funky situations, and now that I think about it, looking back, good grief, what if those people went off the side of that hill, and that's why they just disappeared, <sighs> that'll keep me awake tonight, anyway, moving on, Route of the Silver Kings, it's super awesome, it's something that I suggest, like honestly, I think this whole trip in general, anyone should if you're into history, if you're into natural beauty, God, we didn't even touch on Browns Canyon National Monument. It's just south of Buena Vista. It is, I think it was during the Obama administration, it, got, it gained national monument status. So it is fully protected. You can trout fish up in there. There are, of course, at the right time of year, whitewater rafting on the Arkansas River. You guys ever seen a video? There's a video, if you Google this, if you get on YouTube and type into the search bar, suck hole the suck hole on the arkansas river that's going to be from this general area the suck hole is like this standing wave in the arkansas river at prime whitewater that when the first time i saw a video of it you're looking at it going oh yeah wow that's really pretty look at that man that's some that water's moving because you can't get an idea of the magnitude of the size of the wave because of the way cameras re, you know reflect perspective to the viewer until this little dot comes into the picture and you're like crap that is a raft with like 16 people on it and then it hits the suck hole and 16 people are airborne and I mean really airborne, like probably 15 or 20 feet in the air, bodies and paddles going everywhere. So whitewater rafting, Arkansas River is also something that's going down in this area, Browns Canyon National Monument, there's fishing, there's OHVing, there's a bunch of stuff going on there. We didn't touch on that because we didn't really do that, but it's there to be done, something you need to know. Um, This whole area, it was a prime area for my kind of adventures, which is this. There's a couple of main points that will, my whole trip will be complete if I can go explore an old abandoned gold mining gold rush town. Everything else is icing on the cake. Let's roll the dice. Let's set a couple of time frames. You know, let's have a general idea. I'm going to get there on this day at roughly this time, and I'm going to leave on this day at roughly this time. And everything in between is up to the way the wind blows. And that, to me, is the epitome, and it's just, again, me in my opinion, but to me, that is the epitome of a good adventure in the modern world. We can't go do, like, the Lewis and Clark stuff. You know, it just, you want to go climb Everest? Like, good God, that's gotten to be such a touchy thing in and of itself. But by all means, go be that dude or that woman. Like, I'll respect you for it, but guess what? That's not on my list of things to do. Like, that is a ginormous feat of physical strength and physical endurance and something that I respect as a feat of physical, you know, endurance. But like, that's not like, I want to adventure. I want to explore things I've never seen. I want to find things that other people haven't seen in forever or very few people ever find. Um, this area, this was, that's my kind of trip, man. That's what this turned out to be was my kind of trip. Got to check out St. Elmo. Got to try a 14er and fail. Enough to wet my wet my taste buds and give me a taste of it. Um and make me want to go back. And I am going back. Ten cup pass. I'm going back for that. There's a lot of things and I'm making a return trip. Like, but that's 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 the trip that's the trip as it was. And that's exactly how I want my trips to be. Um, and yeah, just wanted to share it with you guys tonight. I hope that you enjoyed the story of it. When I went home, you know, go back through when you're heading back home. Something to keep in mind is, um, you can check out the high road to Taos, which is 56 miles through the Sangre de Cristo mountains from Taos to Santa Fe. And it is a, y'all, it's for real. Like if it didn't, If it didn't, like, closed because of weather, because of snow or something, it's for real. Like, you're dropping thousands of feet over just a few miles in certain places. Like, your ears are popping every five minutes and trying to clear and adjust for the altitude change. Um, but it's beautiful. And it's not, like, dangerous. It is steep. You'll smoke your brakes, man. Like, just go in. Be prepared. You're going to ride your brakes a lot. Learn to use your low gears. Um... But it's wide open with shoulders and guardrails. It's not unsafe. It's just a very steep descent or a very steep ascent, depending on which way you're traveling, south to north or north to south. But it's absolutely gorgeous. Did that. Rio Grande Gorge Bridge is right there in that area. Like, and that was just a detour for us. Like, we could have gone a more direct way on the way home. But this, like, added maybe a couple of hours to the entire trip home. But not without good reason. The Rio Grande Gorge Bridge is like, God, walk out on that bridge and look down, y'all. Like, it's it's insane. It is really cool. Like, you need to check that out. And the high road to Taos, it's known, very well known in the area. And as I did some research just to kind of get an idea, it's pretty dang well known nationally in a lot of circles and traveling circles. It's something to be done, guys. Like, you can fit something into everything every leg of your trip. If you go out prepared and like the way I do my system, pick my area and one or two major things I want to happen while I'm in that area, pick my time frames and just roll and everything else is just icing on the cake. Everything I told you tonight to illustrate that point and hammer it home. Everything I told you tonight was stuff that popped up on the trip itself. And was unexpected. The only two things. Were Buena Vista Colorado. And go check out St. Elmo's. That was the two main things. I'm going to stay in Buena Vista. And I want to check out San Elmo Colorado. That was the only thing I had actually planned. And fishing some. On the uh, Arkansas River. The only two things I had planned. For the whole trip. Everything else we did. Going up... <laughs> And doing Mount, trying to do Mount Sherman, seeing the Dauntless Mine, the Hilltop Mine, Leadville, the Route of the Silver Kings, the Clear Creek Mining District, all of that, Browns Canyon National Monument, all of that was after the like. It was after the fact. It was an afterthought. None of that was expected. That was all a part of the adventure, and that's how I like to adventure. And I just wanted to share that with you guys tonight, another adventure story from a wayward soul, which is me. But I need your adventure stories so we can start telling something that's probably a little less boring than my stories. I'm sure you guys are more interesting and more exciting than I am. In order to share those stories with me, I need you to write me. And the best way to do that is at mywaywardstory at gmail.com. Or you can go over to the website, which is also always a good option because you can contact me via the contact form there at waywardstories.com. And you can check out our photo galleries. You can check out my YouTube channel, my Instagram page. You can also get episodes of the podcast there now and the links to the podcast episodes, my blog page, Mm -hmm. a lot going on over there. So go check that out. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash wayward stories. If you do that, everything that I have donated to help and like the truest form of crowdfunding for independent artists, 20% of that is always going to go to a charity, every single month. Um, If you want to hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, any of that, best way to do it, again, waywardstories.com. And I think that's pretty much going to wrap us up. Please rate, please subscribe, and please tell people, tell your friends. If you're enjoying the show, pass it along to your hiking group, to your cycling group, to your climbing group. Anyone that likes to listen to podcasts, man, tell them all about it. That will help me out more than anything. And those ratings, reviewing, and subscribing, that's how you get boosted up in the rankings and apple stitcher it's all it's out everywhere now guys we're on stitcher apple um iheart radio we're on pretty much every single platform that you can get a podcast at now so tell your friends rate review and subscribe you'd be doing us a big solid you would be really helping me out and i would appreciate that um But yeah, that's going to wrap us up for this week. We're going to come back next week with another episode, another story of mine, unless you guys start hitting me up pretty soon. It's going to take a while to catch on. I get it. It's got to find its way into the marketplace. But until then, I'm going to keep telling you stories of my own. Um, And until then, I hope that you guys will have a good week. Please, by all means, be good to each other. And behind that, go out there and find something good that you can do some, for someone else and make the world a little bit of a better place. We here at Studio 119 would like to remind all of you out there listening, wherever you might be, that though the hill might be steep and the trail be rocky, the mountaintop awaits. Carry on.